That song got me a little bit. Woo! Huh? That was good. I will sing of the goodness of God. Good morning, everyone, again. Once David turned, there we go. So are you a child of God? Is everybody filled with the supernatural joy of Jesus this morning? You guys are on the wrong side today. But uh, yeah, I hope so. hope that's true. If we're children of God, we should be overflowing with the joy of Jesus. I pray that's true for you. So we're working through the book of James. Here's our little outline. Today we'll be halfway through the book. So we, we've been looking at all these self-examination truths, saving faith in trials, saving faith in the temptations of our life, saving faith in the Word of God, saving faith in how we view others, saving faith in good works, saving faith, Tyler, Pastor Tyler went over this last week, saving faith in our words. And so this morning we'll be looking saving faith and wisdom. Saving faith and wisdom. So the question is, do you desire wisdom? Everyone desires wisdom, right? Throughout the history of the world, people have been seeking wisdom. You can look at the writings of all the historical cultures of the past, and everybody's looking for wisdom. Whether it's the Egyptian culture, the Roman culture, the Greek culture, the Chinese culture, everyone desires wisdom. So the first question is, how would you define wisdom? I'll give you a minute to come up with your own definition, then I'll call you each up. No, just, just a minute to think about how you would define wisdom. What is wisdom to you? I wasn't going to really call you up, Cacti. <laughs> but I appreciate that, brother. I appreciate the boldness, brother. That's good. Speak it out. But yeah, knowledge, okay, that's, a, that's what a lot of people would say, and there's, there's an element to that, but we'll look at true wisdom. So, so we all have this definition, everyone is seeking it, but this morning we're going to look at there's really two major roads of wisdom in the world. There's the wisdom of God, which would be the narrow road of wisdom, and there's the wide wisdom of wisdom of the world. Are you with me on this? So, so those are the two types. You could say that there's wisdom that comes from heaven and wisdom that comes from the world. There's wisdom that comes from the creator and wisdom that comes from the created. There's wisdom that is eternal and there's wisdom that's temporal. And then we'd also say there's wisdom that leads to life and there's wisdom that leads to death. So those are the two major categories that we're going to be examining this morning to see which, uh, which wisdom we're following. That's the big question this morning is I want you to be looking at yourselves to see really which wisdom are you following in life. And what we can find is that we have a combination of following godly wisdom and some worldly wisdom. Are you with me on this? I think for every one of our lives it's a mix, and that's why we have to be careful. And why we have to be careful, look up here for a minute, just show you this verse, why it's so important. As God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So, brothers and sisters, the reality is, is that when we start mixing worldly wisdom in with godly wisdom, we're not following the way of God. We're following the way of the world. And just to give you a couple of comparisons, just think about this. God's way of salvation is through grace alone, through faith alone. The world's, all the false religions of the world, their way of salvation is through good works. You're going to earn your way to heaven. 
Do you see how contrasting they are? Here, how about this? God's way is humble yourself and I will exalt you. The world's way is exalt yourself. God's way is die to self daily, pick up your cross and follow Jesus. The world's way is say, number one, get all you can, follow your heart. God's way says focus your life on your God-given responsibilities. The world's way is to focus on your rights and ensure you get what you deserve. God's way is a life call to suffer for the sake of the gospel. The world's way is to pursue comfort at all costs. So I want you to see that, that it's very important that we distinguish the world's way and God's ways and don't be deceived into thinking we can follow a combination of godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. So with that set up, let, open your Bibles, please. We'll pick up in James chapter 3, uh, verse 13. And our brother Charles will open the word for us. And out of the reverence for God's word, we'd ask that you stand for the reading of God's word. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly and spiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Amen. Thank you, Charles. So James set up, sets up this teaching with this first statement. He says, who, who is wise and understanding among you? Now, who is he speaking to? He's speaking to the church. So it would be like us sitting here today. Who of you is wise among us? Who would raise their hands? Don't. <laughs> I'm not asking you to do that. But that's the question he's asking. And the reality is, you know, some of you have participated in the Master's Way where we go out on the streets and we talk to people about Jesus. We share the gospel with the world, right? The lost world. And one of the questions we start off with in the Master's Way is, are you a good person? Does anybody participate in this? What is the typical answer we receive? Yes. And what do they, then they qualify it. They say, yeah, I'm a good person. I'm not perfect, but I think I'm good enough that I'm going to get to heaven, right? And then we follow through and help them see their sinfulness and God's holiness and we share the gospel. I think the same truth is true when you say to someone, are you wise? People say, well, I'm not a genius, but I'm wise enough. I'm not a fool, right? I'm working my way through this life. And, and so that's a typical answer you get, and that's probably the way the church responded to James when he says, are you wise and understanding among you? Now, the, the key thing for us, though, is the church then, being mostly Jewish believers, understood wise different than we understand wise, different than we understand the word wisdom. Because to a, to a Jewish person, the, the word wisdom or wise clearly defined a life carefully lived before, before God. That's what they considered wisdom. Remember that the Jewish people was the closest thing to a theocracy, a people living under the authority of God. 
So what wisdom to them was living rightly before God is discerning good and evil and and living a righteous life in in, in the world. So that's what they would think of when you said, are you wise? They would say, am I living rightly before God? Am I living a life that pleases God? And then this word understanding to the Jewish people is a word of practical living wisdom. It's it's always, again, under the... uh, the blessing of the Lord or under the pleasure of the Lord. So it's, how do I live out a marriage in a way that pleases God? How do I raise my children in a way that pleases God? How do I work in the marketplace in a way that pleases God? It's the practical application of a daily life in a way still that pleases God. So that's what he's asking him. Who among you are wise? Who, are you, who among you are living a righteous life before God? And who of you have understanding? and living out practical wisdom within your life. But look what he says next. As we've seen throughout James, he says, uh, by, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. I think we all know people that are very intelligent. I meet a lot of brothers at the, the mission that have a lot of scripture memorized, they have a lot of biblical knowledge. But knowledge alone does not equate to wisdom. Amen? I mean, do we know a lot of smart people that are not necessarily living the life that, you, that, that they should be living according to God? So knowledge alone does not equate to wisdom. And that's what James is saying. He says, he's saying that you all just raised your hand and said, yeah, we're, you know, we're not geniuses, but we're pretty wise. We're pretty righteous living. We're... We have this understanding, and he says, it'll be proven out in how you live out your life. And I love what he gives us, because he gives us the heart condition. It's how you live out your life with humility, meekness. And why is that so important? Because we are created by God, any gifts or abilities we have, God's given that to us, so we never take credit, we don't boast like the world, We're always giving the glory and honor to God. It's a life lived out as we practically live out this life of wisdom. We know the wisdom, true wisdom comes from God. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So the wisdom we have is from God and the the gifts and abilities he's given us from God. So we live out this life in wisdom with great humility. And when people come to you and say, hey, you're really good at this, what do we do? We reflect. Give God the glory. Someone says, hey, and someone says, hey, that was a good job you did or something. Hey, praise God. It's not me, it's him. Hey, that was a really wise choice. You praise God. So, so he, he just kind of sets us up with the big picture. Now he's going to dig down and we're going to see clearly the teaching of what worldly wisdom looks like and what godly wisdom looks like. You ready for that? He starts off with the, the bad news first. The, uh, the worldly wisdom. And he says, but... So he's kind of giving the contrast. But if, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. It's amazing. God always goes back to the issue of the heart. Always goes back to the issue of the heart. So, and what he's saying here is that if, if bitter jealousy is living in your heart, it'll be exhibited in selfish ambition and vain conceit. That's just what flows out of a bitter, jealous heart. 
look up here for a minute. I mean, it's so important that we understand it. We see this throughout Scripture. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Do you see that? Now, let me clarify. We get confused on what the word heart means. Heart does not mean our emotions. Heart is the inner man or the inner woman. So it's our, it's our mind, it's our desires, it's our emotions, all that stuff that lives within us, that inner person, is the heart in, in Scripture. And it says, but above all else, guard your heart. Guard what you're taking into your life. We'll talk about this a little later. So we have to guard our hearts in what we watch, what we listen to, what we read, who we hang out with. All those things are inputs into our heart. Are you with me on this? So if, if I'm watching inappropriate TV or pornography or I'm reading just worldly stuff and I'm listening to worldly music and I'm hanging out with lost people all the time, what do you think is going to happen to the inner person of me? It's going to get corrupted and conformed to the image of the world. In fact, when you meet me, you will not be able to tell any difference between me except I will tell you I was saved one day. But my life, as James is talking about, will be fruitless to indicate that that's a true statement by how I live my life. So guard your heart above all else. It's, it's, it's a commandment that we have to be careful in what we watch and what we read and who we associate with. And what's the next one? A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. This is, this is so important. We can also look very Christian on the outside. But we have a secret life on the inside. Are you with me on this? I can amen you and quote scripture and greet you at the door with love and give you an oasis hug, and I can be living like hell on the inside. Right? And see, on the day of judgment, God goes, you can forget all those good deeds. I know, you, I know you fooled, you put a mask on and you fooled your whole church, but now you're coming before me and I know what's in your heart. I know what you love. I know what you read. I know what you watch. I know who you associate. I know all the things. We think that we can hide the inner man, the inner woman, but God sees it all. And the third thing is what Jesus says here. He says, a good man, a good woman brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man or woman brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Your, your fruit will eventually produce what you put in. Whatever you're putting into your inner man, inner woman will eventually come out uh, to the outside. Anger, jealousy, vain conceit, uh, on and on the list goes. So the picture here as he starts off with this comparison back to the text is, but if, if you have bitter jealousy living in your heart, and, and this picture of bitter jealousy, this, it's a harsh, insensitive attitude. Stay with me on this. I mean, you all know this, but it's this, this attitude of you're, you're bitter, you're angry, you're, you look at what people have, you look at the jobs they have, you look at the cars or the clothes they have, maybe you look at their physical shape or their beauty or handsome, whatever it is, you're constantly looking at these things and you have this, just this bitterness of jealousy as you, you, you think you deserve what everybody else has. That's bitter jealousy. You, you, you want what everybody else has. And then how it's lived out in the flesh, that's the heart condition, is selfish ambition. So you're going out and pursuing, getting these things that you think you deserve. I, so I'm not only going to be bitter and jealous, I'm going to go out and get all that I can from this, this world to, to feed that issue of my heart. That's what James is saying here. 
And by the way, with, let's not miss the big picture here. Within the Word of God, the word jealousy is quite often tied into idolatry. Because God is a jealous God, and He wants us to worship and love Him alone. And really, this, this position of worldly wisdom is an indication of idolatry. It's idolatry. And by the way, who, who's sitting on the throne? This one you can answer. Who's sitting on the throne? In this picture. I am. Yes, we are. It's us. We, 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 can, we can set up some deceptions of that reality, but the reality is this, this bitter jealousy is about what I want, what I think I deserve, and selfish ambition is about me pursuing, getting everything for me, and who am I offering all these things to at the altar? I'm offering them to me. That's the picture here. It's idolatry, and we're, we're sitting on our own thrones, and we're trying to get all that we can from this, this world. And then he says, do not boast and be false to the truth. And, and, and the picture here is, is, you know, we know this. We've been there, and we certainly know people that live there. It's this, this, these people that are always waiting for the opportunity to tell you how great they are. You with me on this? How, how smart they are, how successful they are, how athletic they are, how attractive they are, how rich they are, how talented they are, and how godly they are. And, and really, when you listen to their testimonies, it may start off with some false humility and some godliness, but as they keep talking, eventually, who do they get to? Themselves. They get to themselves. And, and they, they can't wait for an opportunity. Their, their daily testimonies aren't about how God's breaking them or how God's molding them or how God's changing them. It's about how good they are, how great they are, how sacrificial they are. You okay with that? And so this is a picture of worldly wisdom. This is where worldly wisdom will lead you. And then he gives us this great illustration of where this wisdom comes from, where this worldly wisdom comes from. And look what he says. This is not, first he says, this wisdom, if this is going on in your life, if you're full of bitter jealousy and, and selfish ambition, if this is what's going on and you're pursuing the things and ways of the world, he said this wisdom uh, that comes, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above. Where does it come from? It is earthly and spiritual and demonic. Do you see that? Okay, you all know this. You can answer this one too. What are the three enemies we battle against? The world, self, yeah, the flesh, and Satan. And those are exactly the three he gives us, right? Earthly would be the world, unspiritual would be the flesh, and demonic would be demonic, would be the devil. So he says, that is the source of worldly wisdom. That is the, that is the attack on us to deceive us and and, and try to have it come, them come to them for, for worldly wisdom, for wisdom in our life. So let's look at these for a minute. I know you know these, but it's always good to review. So first, worldly wisdom. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So we know this already, brothers and sisters, is that the world will come at us with all kinds of glitter and all kinds of promises and all kinds of agendas. And the, the, world's, the world's focus is to distract us 
and to, to deceive us and, and have us chase the things of the world and the positions of the world and the powers of the world. Are you with me? And it, it wants to, to deceive us to chase all these things and, and focus our wisdom and our attention and our energy on things of the world. The second one is flesh. Galatians 5.19 says, The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual morality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, now factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, I often describe to you the flesh to me is that spoiled two-year-old child that lives within us. And it's always saying, gimme, 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 right? That's how my flesh is. It's always crying for something. It's always desiring something, by the way, that it shouldn't have. And, and that's the picture. That, that, that is the attack. That, and what does it tell us? That go do this and you'll have peace. Go do this and you'll have love. You know, you, you deserve this, right? Come on, we've all been down that road. And where does it lead us? It leads us to a place where we're enslaved to the flesh. It's controlling our life. And, and we hate the life we're living, yet we love it at the same time. Right? That's, that's the wisdom the flesh wants to give to you. So I, I don't think we should take the wisdom from a fallen world, and I don't think we should take the wisdom from a two-year-old spoiled child. That's the wisdom that's coming at us. And the third one is from the devil himself. Look what, what Jesus said about, about the devil. He said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Sound like someone you want to go get counsel from? Is that who you seek out as a liar when you want to get some good wisdom? Well, he's not only a liar, he's the father of lies. And he's a murderer. And he's whispering in your ear, he's whispering in my ear, trying to lead us into a way of the world. Because listen to this, brothers and sisters, is that if he can win us over by getting us lured away in some idolatry of the world, or he can deceive us by somehow feeding our flesh in ways we should not be feeding our flesh, if we listen to him, he feels victorious because his whole goal in life is in any way he can is to take away the worship of Jesus and bring it to him. Are you with me on this? So any of those little victories that you may not think are that significant, he's rejoicing because he stole some of the righteous worship to Jesus Christ from him, from us. So that's what's going on. That's the wisdom that, that's coming out. And let me just give you, before we get into more detail here, do you know what the solution to this is? If we, if we have a wisdom problem, what do we have? We, we have a heart problem. We have a love problem. We have a love problem. You know, everybody says, well, I, I talk about addiction. Addictions are related to a love problem. We're trying to satisfy God-given needs through illegitimate ways, and, and the biggest thing we need is love. That's why it's the greatest commandment. And so you see people that are, that are stuck in these, going to false wisdom and stuck in addiction to drugs and alcohol and the rest of it. They have a love problem. They, they, they have not fully realized how much God loves them. They have not fully loved God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Because once you do that, you're delivered from these things supernaturally by God. 
Yes, don't get me wrong, the brain is neuroplasty, and I know it, it's formable, and we need, to, we need to develop new behaviors and new thinking patterns and all that. that. That's all part of it. But once the heart is committed, once the heart is sold out, the rest of it will follow. So this is the battle here. These are the, the three things that James says uh, want to offer us worldly wisdom. And then what does he say next? He says that, he says, for, for where jealousy and selfish ambition, ambition exists, there will be disorder in every evil practice. And we know that, do we not? What, what happens when we follow the, the wisdom of the world? Okay, we get something I can't hear you, but I, I know there are probably great answers. We, brokenness, broken families, broken marriages, broken relations. I mean, that's what Satan's after, is brokenness. Whatever God wants to make one, he wants to divide. Broken churches, bro, broken, it's brokenness. It's destruction, it's disorder, it's your life's a mess. So we know that if we follow the, world, the wisdom of the world, this is what will result in our lives. And we've all experienced it, so we know this to be true. But we have a choice. We can build godly wisdom instead. You ready for the good news? Okay, good. So, in fact, close your eyes. If you can do this, trust me. I'm not going to push you over or anything. I, I want you to just kind of let this wash over you. And, and think about the comparison of godly wisdom versus worldly wisdom. Listen to this. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, full of good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. How about that? Does that sound good? Is that the wisdom you want? It's unbelievable. The comparison between the, the wisdoms are, as far as the east is from the west, they're so different. You know, I was watching the storm roll in this morning, and just, I mean, think about it, brothers and sisters. We can come to the world and its fallenness. We can listen to our two-year-old spoiled child. We can listen to Satan whispering lies to us that we should be feeding our flesh in certain ways through drugs, alcohol, all kinds of sexual morality, you name it. Or we can go to the God of the universe. Watching that storm come in, just the lightning. He's commanding every lightning bolt, the thunder shaking the windows in my house. That's the God of the universe. Look up the stars at night. The, sun. That, the God that created all these things wants to give you wisdom and how to live your life. I mean, look here. We already studied this. I put this verse in here from a few weeks ago. Look what it says here. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously, generously to all without reproach, without judgment. So here we are as children of God, and we're, we're going to the father of lies. We're listening to that two-year-old child, or we're, we're buying into the lies of the world. And God's saying, I'm the God of the universe. I love you. I want to give you wisdom to live this life. Now, let me, let's go over the, the, the conditions of this, though, because we mix up worldly wisdom from God wisdom. This is where we get the prosperity gospel, and, uh, it, and it deceives us, because that is not what God's talking about here. 
He's not talking about, well, then I should go to God because I want that job. I want that car. I want that bank account. That's not the type of wisdom he's talking about. Does he give some people that car, that job, that bank account? He gives some, some, some he doesn't. But he wants to give everybody wisdom. And by the way, brothers, you've got to wash the world away because the wisdom he wants to give you is much bigger than things. It's much bigger than things. It's much bigger than possessions. So look at this. It says, But the wisdom from above is first what? Pure. Pure. Holy. It's first pure and holy. Are you with me on this? See, The Bible says, I want you to be holy as I am holy. I want you to be set apart from this world. I want you to be my ambassadors in this fall. I want you to be different. I'm not here to make you successful in the world. You are in the world, but not of the world. I'm here to make you different than the world so that you would be a bright light to this world, to show how my children live differently. So the first thing he says is pure. It's holiness. Hear me on this, brother, sister. It's the desire to be different. It's a desire to be set apart from the world. It's a desire to stop being deceived by the evil one. It's a desire to live a righteous life before God. That is the desire of pure. That has to come first. Because that's the heart issue. If you're, if you're looking for, if you're adding God to, to your life as a, as a a rabbit foot or some sort of, you know what, I, I love the world and I love what's going on and I want more of the world, but you know what, I'm going to come to God in my 911 moments and I hope he helps me through this. It, that's not the God that, that, we, that we live under, brothers and sisters. He's a God that says, I, I desire in your heart that you want to be different than the world, that you truly want to be holy and set apart, and then I will give you the wisdom to live that life. He wants to help us become that. He are you all with me on this? He, he, he wants to wash away the lies of the world. He wants to take away those deceptions. He wants to put on the royal robes. He, he, wants to, he wants us to start living this victorious life in Jesus more fully every day. That's the wisdom he wants to give us. Do you want that wisdom? Look here for a minute. That's what it says here. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. By the way, James says, uh, written there's the, on the foundation of Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, and it's filled with the, the Beatitudes. But blessed are the pure in heart. Do you want to see God? He says, you want to see me, you're going to need a pure heart. You're going to, you're going to like this, look at, look at this. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way of ever, everlasting. Or this one, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And I love this one from Psalm 19:12. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. There's stuff in me I don't even know that's in there that I want you to help me get over. Reveal these sins, those, those closets and those dark areas of my life so I can confess and repent. Do you, you, do you see this? This process of conviction, confession, repentance. I want to be right with God. I want to have a pure heart so that I can get the wisdom of God. First, 
You're not going to get the wisdom of God unless this is the, the desire of your heart to, to be in that place. Then we get into the list here. And you're doing great. Hi, Deanna. You got a little left in you? Okay, let's go, through, let's go through what comes next. So this idea of pure, I don't want you to miss that. So now, now we're there, we're, we're crying out to God, we're on our knees every day, we're, we're desiring to become these men and women of God. And he says, then I'm going to give you the wisdom of peace. Wisdom of peace. Doesn't that sound like wonderful wisdom? Do you want to live in peace? In, in this crazy world, don't you want peace that transcends understanding? And he, he wants to give us peace and all, you, you don't even, we don't even understand the depth of peace he wants to give us. It's so overwhelming when you start to get into it, you can't imagine. First we have what? As, as children of God, we have peace where? Peace with God. We were all born enemies of God at that moment of salvation. He says, we're at peace now. You're one of my children. I've adopted you into my family. I love you. We're at peace. You're no longer my enemy. And, and in addition to that, I'm going to give you peace with sin. And what I mean by that is up until that point where we were saved, we were slaves to sin. But he says, now, I'm going to give you power over sin. You no longer have to sin because the Spirit of God, who is greater than the one in the world, is in you. And I, you, will be, you will not be tempted beyond what you will bear. I'll provide a way out for you. He says, I'm going to give you peace with sin. You'll have the, 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 the ability to overcome temptation in your life. Is that good news? He wants us to give us peace with relationships. Because we no longer see people red, yellow, black, and white, rich, poor, educated. We see people as lost and saved. I'm, you, I'm going to give you peace in how you deal with everybody else in your life. And here it is. I'm going to help you love your neighbor as yourself. That's peace. That's peace. He says, I'm going to give you the wisdom of peace. I could do a whole sermon on this because there's multiple levels of peace he wants to give us in his wisdom. But we don't have time for a whole sermon on this right now. So the next one is, is this issue of he wants to give us wisdom and gentleness. That would be humility, meekness. And we get this from another beatitude. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. And, and what he means by humility and gentleness and this, this issue of uh, power under control is the right uh, translation of that word meekness or gentle is, is he wants us to, to be able to, to go through this world with this unbelievable wisdom of humility, of realizing he is God and we are not. Stop boasting. Stop being prideful. Stop. You can let go of all that stuff. He's in control. And it's power under control and that we submit to his power, his control, his leading for our life. And when you know God is leading your life, you can live a humble, peaceful life. I heard you, Bobby. So he wants to give us wisdom as it relates to being, uh, as, we, as we approach God in our desire to be pure, to be holy, to be set apart from the world. He gives us wisdom in peace. He gives us wisdom in humility. And then it says he gives us wisdom in mercy. Do you see that? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. It's amazing, isn't it, that you know what mercy is, Right? Mercy is when we don't get what we deserve, right? That's what mercy is. Praise God we don't get what we deserve. Because here's the reality. Here's the wisdom of God. 
is we know that what do we, what do we deserve? We deserve hell, eternal death, eternal punishment, eternal separation from God. We all deserve that. Because the Bible says, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, and the penalty for death, for sin is death. So that's what we deserve. But here it is. Here's the, here's the wisdom of God. I didn't only deserve that before I was born again. I deserve that every day. I don't know about you, but I don't get through a day without sinning in some way most days. Thank the Lord. A lot of it's just thoughts that shouldn't be in my head at this point in my life. I lose my temper. I don't always love my wife as Christ loved the church. I go on. You want my whole list of sins? No, it's a long list. But so every day I realize that I deserve death and eternal punishment. But God in his mercy forgives me. He forgives us. Every day he forgives us. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I say, God, I'm so tired of bringing this sin to you. But he says, it's okay, son. I got this. Keep coming. Keep coming. It's a long, it's a long race. It's a marathon. Keep fighting. Don't give in. That's what Satan wants us to do is quit coming to God for forgiveness. But we've got to be washed by the blood of the Lamb so that we can be pure, so that we can get the wisdom of God back into our life, so that we can start living more and more victorious day by day. So, so that's, that's this issue of mercy. So, so we have this mercy, so I, and I see it so much in Christians, it drives me nuts. Is Here's, here's a picture of, of Christian uh, mercy. I want revenge when someone's wronged me, but I want mercy when I've wronged someone else. Are you with me on that? I see Christians standing tall about they want revenge all the time. I'm, I'm going to do this, I'm leaving that, I'm done with them, I'm done with her, all that stuff, right? But mercy of God is more than just not giving them what deserve. He is so merciful that he comes in and ministers to those who have offended him. Think about that. So someone offends you, not only do you not bring the, the revenge you want, you come lovingly alongside of them and see how you can help them. That's the wisdom of God. A few more, you're doing great, we're almost done. Wisdom of good works, good fruits, do you see that? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for they, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the idea here is, you know, you get that from Ephesians 2.10, but is that the reality is, is that we don't just do good works, it's not an event scheduled on our calendars, it's a way of life. It's, it's every day. Listen to this. Every day God has some good work for you to do. But he's, according to Ephesians 2.10, he's prepared for you to walk in it. So you don't know what that good work is when you get up in the morning. Do you? You don't know the divine appointments God has for you in your day. He has somewhere in your day, he has someone he wants you to pray with. Someone he wants you to share the gospel with. Someone he wants you to give ten bucks to. Whatever it is, he's got all these divine appointments laid out for you in your day. And as we walk in faith, submitting to the Holy Spirit, let the Spirit lead us and guide us by the Word of God, he will open up the doors for us to do these things. That's wisdom of God. That's the wisdom he wants to give you. He wants to reveal to you those divine appointments. But a lot of us in this busy world are like this. Well, I'm going to get around to good works one of these days. I'm going to do something nice. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to do this at church on Sunday. That's not it. Today's a celebration of all the things he's done in us and through us throughout the week. And lastly is this, he gives us wisdom in partiality or sincerity. And really the picture here is uh, perseverance, steadfastness. 
That's really the way to interpret that. So he wants to give us wisdom not just to enter the race, but to finish the race. He wants to help us persevere throughout hardships, trials, sufferings. Only God can, only God can walk us through some of the fires of our trials and tribulations. Can I get an amen to that? I mean, don't, haven't we all had things that without God, we, we probably wouldn't be here? I think my heart would have exploded from sorrow. Or we would have been dead from overdoses, or whatever it is. We've all got our own trials and tribulations, but it, only through God. He says, persevere. I will walk with you and give you wisdom to persevere through any difficulties that are in your, in your path. And then he says, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Isn't that good? That's the kind of life he wants you to live. He wants you to give you wisdom to be having this great harvest of peace as you're living in peace. Okay, application. We'll close with application. You may have never seen these slides before. Oh, this looks like it's progressive. No, it's not. Okay. So this is you. This is me. And this is a picture of someone that's leaning on worldly wisdom. This is your visual aid of worldly wisdom. Are you okay with this? So worldly wisdom, the mind, there's supposed to be an arrow that goes down to the, to the, to the heart. The arrow's not on there. But, so the idea is, is that as we go through life, if we're, if we're building our life on worldly wisdom, we're watching a lot of television, we're doing a lot of social media, maybe we're listening to worldly music, we're online, we're, we're working. We're on our phones. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so really what I'm showing you is that the majority of our day in our life is we've set our minds on earthly things, not on, on heavenly things. And, and you can think that your 15-minute or your 30-minute devotion is going to combat that. It never will. You, it just won't. So all this stuff's coming into us, into our mind, into our heart, and then we begin to value, I don't have time to go over all this with you this morning, but then we begin to value the things of the world, and what comes out of the outer circle is our behavior, we will act like the world. That's worldly wisdom. So here's the question, if you start to see you're having an anger problem, or a selfish ambition problem, or a jealousy problem, if something's on the outside, guess where you have to go? To the heart. You've got a heart problem. So here's the picture of the this is a picture of all of you, I know. This is, this is what we do together as the body of believers, right? So if we, instead, if we're seeking godly wisdom, we're soaking in the Word of God. We've got a wonderful prayer and meditation life. We're, we're praying not five minutes over a meal. We're praying extended times throughout the day. Uh, we, we, we come for the ministry of the church. We love being here because we're ministered to and we minister to others. We're, we're committed to the ministry of the church. As I tell the, the men on Wednesday night, I don't show up on Wednesday night because I'm the pastor. I show up on Wednesday night because I need it. I need to be there on Wednesday night. I need to see my brothers. I need to hear them speaking how God's working in their lives. I need that. That's the ministry of the church. You, and then what I'm saying, you've got to be all in. You've got to be all in. You've got to be here on Sunday. You've got to be here on Wednesday. You've got to be serious about the Word. You've got to be serious about prayer. And you've got to be serious about praise and worship. And, I mean, these things sound almost uh, foreign to us. Solitude, fasting, silence, confession, and simplicity. I don't know if we've ever fasted before or entered, ever entered into a season of solitude. 
If you want to see how attached you are to the world, go for it. You'll see that you're more attached to the world than you, you, you probably know. But then when we do this, brothers and sisters, it says, set your hearts on the minds. This is all out of Colossians 3, by the way. Then we're filling our heart with Christ, and it's about Him, not us. We die to self. We value what, what the Bible teaches, and our behavior starts to, to uh, conform to the image of Jesus. So which road are you on? Are you on the wide road of worldly wisdom or the narrow road of godly wisdom? One leads to death, one leads to life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for just being together as a church this morning. Thank you for your word, Lord. It is, it's overwhelming. And I do cry out to you for everyone here and those that aren't here this morning in the Oasis family that we would seriously evaluate our lives and pursue godly wisdom over worldly wisdom. We love you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.